Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Corey. It's uh, nice and early today. Yeah, bright and early. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> you can thank me. So apologies for the uh, the morning voices, everyone. Apologies in advance. Um, <laughs> we're recording at our non-usual time. But uh, hey, this is our fourth week in a row. I think this is uh, an official thing now. Yeah, I think so. The The Corey Haynes podcast is a real thing now. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. Um, yeah. How's your week been, man? It's been uh, it's been fairly good. Um, some good progress, some frustrating setbacks. So pretty much a, a typical week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when he said that, I was like, that pretty much like sums up every one of my updates. That's probably going to be like um, we should have just had that be like our tagline for our podcast. We just change it. Exciting <laughs> progress, frustrating um, setbacks every single week. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want, I can just kind of jump into it. So Go for it. Let's hear it. Yeah. So last week on, on the podcast, I talked about how, you know, I've been working on this new feature for a while and I, I wasn't really talking to anyone about it and, you know, just kind of had that general sense of like, I need to make sure this is going in the right direction. Uh, so last week I did end up reaching out to everyone who had signed up uh, to be notified when this would be ready. Um, and I actually got a, a pretty good response back. Um, there were more people responded than I really anticipated. And everyone who did respond, uh, you know, I, I asked them kind of like what their use case was and it's pretty much everything that I expected. Um, so I guess maybe I got a little lucky there in the fact that I went pretty pretty far down this path uh, without checking <laughs> in with anyone, but it turned out to be, it seems like it's on the right path. Uh, so that was good validation and also good motivation to, you know, f finish up and get this out the door when people are asking for it. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you broke the rules and you got away with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well done. Yeah. It shouldn't do that every time, but, um, so far it seems to be okay. So yeah, most of last week was, um, on the development side and, and really trying to get that wrapped up. Uh, I did push that live uh, over the weekend live as far as like it's deployed, but it's not actually available to anyone yet. Uh, so I've been testing it. And uh, the reason I said frustrating setbacks is I, I thought it would be ready to go today. Um, but I did find a fairly significant bug that I'm still working on uh, resolving. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's dealing with like scheduled events and time zones and all all this fun stuff so uh mm. it makes the testing process a little bit more involved as far as like okay i'm going to set things up for you know tomorrow or for later today and then i just kind of have to wait and see if it, if it works or not um so that's always fun yeah i think that's interesting because i um you know early on i didn't really understand like hmm, you know when people talk about like the longer you build a product and the more that you put into it, 
the harder it is to fix, manage, maintain, you know, like basically uh, keep it happy so that it works. And now I understand because like everything that you build then becomes like one more thing you have to account for. And then especially as you like go wide, then you have to start accounting for things like time zones and or scheduling or, you know, all the like, even though your product isn't super dependent on those things, you still have to then account for all these new things that are a part of what you're building. Yeah. And with JetBoost, you know, working for companies, I'd experienced that from the, the software side, you know, the software gets more complex. There's more things to account for. There's more bugs that can occur between the different systems. Um, but with JetBoost, I'm experiencing for the first time, like then there's also now there's more support for every new feature that you add for uh, every every single release. There's more marketing to do. So now that I have individual product pages on the website, which is great. Uh, that also means every time I release a new product, I need to also go build a new product page uh, for mm. the website. So uh, yeah, so sort of seeing how that can kind of grow exponentially uh, as you develop more features. Uh, it can make you step back a little bit and think like, is this, you know, you have to be pretty clear that what you're working on is going to move the business forward. Um, I think that's where a lot of uh, folks with either like founders with engineering backgrounds or product backgrounds can um, sometimes get lost in, you know, we just need one more feature, just need one more feature, and then that's going to make the business. But a lot of times um, there's a lot more involved with that than just building a new feature. Hmm. Yeah. So, so where do you stand on it today? Like, are you thinking, okay, for sure going to launch this week and, or are there a lot of other things that maybe you haven't accounted for that you're kind of like expecting, well, it's, you know, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer and, and is, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Yeah. I think at the very least, uh, the limited access will launch this week. So I'll invite everyone who expressed interest in it. Uh, so they can start using it. And of course, you know, I'll have all of the known bugs worked out by then um, before I do that. Um, yeah, the <laughs> it's it's funny because so as I was working on this, uh, it deals with Webflow's date fields and they have two different types of date fields. Um, one is just plain date and then one is with the time picker as well. Um, and they store the dates with times in your, your, uh, time zone that your website or, or your, uh, that you chose basically for your Webflow site, but the other, the dates without a time they store, uh, just in UTC time. So this makes it a lot more complicated when you're dealing with, uh, like somebody, basically the, the end user doesn't know that, uh, they just are probably going to assume that all dates are in their own time zone. Uh, so when I was, when I first encountered this, my thought was, okay, like I'm going to have to put a bunch of messaging around this product, like be aware of this tricky situation where you might think you're in your time zone, but you're not. Uh, but I kind of realized like at the end of the day, like it's not, like me putting that burden on the end user is not a good product. Like I need to just mm. 
deal with that complexity and solve it. And that's been part of the reason that uh, things are taking longer. But I know that, you know, again, this kind of goes back to this theory of developing like opinionated software. Like I know this is actually what somebody wants. And so even if it's more difficult, like that's what I need to go do. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at mm. with it. That's a good call. I actually, it's um pretty recently when I, when I relaunched the courses, uh, Mental Months for Marketing, Refactoring Growth, and I switched them to the open close model, I had a coupon that was set to expire at 1 a.m. the next day after sort of the cutoff period for when enrollment closed. And um, at like 5 p.m., I got a few messages from people like, hey, I'm trying to buy, but like it still says full price and like I don't see the coupon anymore. So I was like, what the heck? That's weird. And so I like logged in my phone, like wasn't even home yet. And I was like, what? Like trying to figure out. And then I saw that the coupon had expired. It's like, that's so weird. Like why, why would that happen? And um, so emailed Podia, uh, you know, they told me basically that they, everything's in UTC time. And, um, and then when I set the, the coupon, I didn't realize sort of the fine print of that. I just assumed that it was in my local time, Pacific time. Uh, so my coupon prematurely expired about six hours oh, too no. early. Actually, yeah, seven if we do, if we do the math. Yeah. Um, it might have even been eight, and it, would have, it was an hour after, like later that I actually like noticed it and started investigating it. Um, and uh, so I was like, "Hey guys, like, thanks, but like, this is like really frustrating. <laughs> like, this is like a really small thing that can just be like the source of a huge amount of frustration." Um, and I know I know they have plans to work on it in the future, but I think that's a good call because, again, like one of those things where it's. Uh, probably more work that you want to do in your end, but it's, it could also be the source of a lot of frustration on the end user if, you know, and like the, the source of a, a bad experience, which you never want. Yeah. I have either fortunately or unfortunately worked on many apps, uh, throughout my career that deal with dates and expirations like that. And, uh, and then yeah, making it work correctly with time zones is a huge pain. Uh, from the engineering side, but if you don't do that, then it becomes this extremely frustrating situation for your end users like you experienced where you set something to expire and yeah, lo and behold, it expires a day early, basically. Yeah. So kudos to you. I think it's the right, <laughs> I think it's the right call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully you can get that wrapped up and, uh, and ready to go and, yeah, then uh, from, I guess the other thing that happened last week was I heard back from a couple more of the uh, Webflow freelancers that I reached out to. Um, so I'm looking to move forward with them. And I've, I've been watching a few uh, talks. Uh, I watched a good one from this guy, uh, Keith Raboy, who is, um, I'm probably going to slaughter his background but um he he was early at like ebay um he, i think he might have been part of paypal he, he worked he worked at linkedin um a few other big companies open door right is that the guy open door also? yep yep yeah. um and basically this was a it was a yc startup school uh talk about like operating going from someone who has like exactly what we've talked about, like create a job from themselves for themselves mm. to actually operating a company. 
Uh, and of course, we can we can link this talk in the show notes. Uh, but what I found interesting from it was, like, I've been wanting to hire people who I can just sort of say, like, go do this thing uh, without much direction. And his point was, like, you as a founder can do that. But you, in order to start delegating things, like, you actually have to clarify, you have to simplify uh, and and make tasks as easy as possible for people that you're trying to to hire and uh, so I, I've realized that I need to put together a little more direction as far as like what I want people to produce um, and like actually like write up a description and um, provide some wireframes and some mockups uh, so that I can give these to someone who knows how to build sites in Webflow and now they actually have direction as to what they should go build. Um, mm. And I think that's, it's like a little bit like work that I necessarily don't want to do. Uh, but it, I'm realizing now how important that is in order to get exactly what I want out of this. So, yeah. 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 That's interesting. It's, um, yeah, something again, probably like biting the bullet, you know, it's, uh, the less kind of ambiguity you leave, the more clarity you bring, just the better results you're going to get. And uh, I always like, yeah, try to challenge myself with that. I, I haven't had to do a lot of that kind of delegation yet, but I think pretty soon I'll have to, at least to some degree. And um, it feels weird, like kind of doing the job before, but yeah. you kind of have to, to get someone up to speed and to, and to at least communicate what exactly you want, right? Yeah, I, I would imagine that's kind of what you did. I mean, you've delegated some of the work on Hey Marketers or a lot of the work on Hey Marketers to your nephew, was it? Yeah, my nephew. My uh, yeah, my, my <laughs> nephew has a VA. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, like things that I, I was just like, oh, this is you know, uh, this is a given, or like he should know it works this way, or like of course this is kind of the end result of what I want. Um, but it just was not clear at all within what I gave to him. So from his perspective, he was just like, wait, what? And like, how do these things connect? And um, like, I guess I'll put this here. So you have to like remove all the assumptions that you come in with and think from like a blank slate of, okay, if I had, had if I had to communicate this to someone and I didn't have any of the knowledge that I have in my head, like what would they need to know? And it's usually like double the amount that you would put down initially or even like triple you know at the end I was like, like creating loom videos and like step-by-step -step instructions which was great because then I could pass it off to someone else um, I didn't need to but then I like had it right there for someone else ready um, but it also just brought a lot of clarity you know and I think the other I mean this is again like another uh, like noob hiring kind of thing but um, it is weird, like following up with someone else's work. And then like, if you don't review in detail what they're doing, like they could be doing it in a way that you don't really want, right? Or they could be working on for a website, for example, if you're not giving them like detailed specs or clearly communicating sort of the design direction or what, you, what exactly you want, like it could be weeks later and then you, you get a Webflow site that's completely different than what you're expecting. And then it's, you know, a waste of time on both sides. So taking the time initially is a, as an investment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
I mean, that's what I'm learning. And uh, yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. Like it does seem like you're doing twice the work in the beginning, uh, but it's kind of a necessary uh, investment up front in order to eventually save time in the end. Like you said, now you have this body of resources that you've put together that, um, you know, if you were to scale it out to other people or even, I don't know, maybe sell the site someday, um, (laughs) (laughs) you could, you have all of that that already put together. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of selling a site, (laughs) I, uh, I've been, so someone's reached out to me and they said, Hey, are you interested in selling hamburgers? And I said, ah, like I've thought about it here and there, but like not super serious, but like I'm all entertain the conversation. So went back and forth, made a couple of offers. Um, and then I was actually thinking like, yeah, you know what? Hey marketers has been neglected for a long time. It's still humming along. People still post the job. Um, but like, I don't have the time or resources to put into it myself. Like I'm already stretched them between all these different projects and things I want to do. And I'm like, okay, I need to focus and create more, you know, mental margin. And, uh, so maybe I should just give it in someone else's hands. You know, I can get another month or two of, of runway and, uh, and, and call it a day. So I was talking with, with you, with a couple of friends, with my wife, uh, about this offer. And then I was like, ah, it doesn't feel right to have like one, one offer in front of me. I should, I should reach out to a couple more people but I didn't really want to like just one-on-one just kind of try to source because I knew that that would also be a huge time suck. And then I was like, Oh, why don't I just post it on Twitter? <laughs> it's all a, uh, all great epiphany start. And, um, so I post on Twitter and ended up getting a whole bunch of interests like emails and DMS left and right. And so that took me down a whole rabbit hole. And for the rest of the week from like Wednesday through yesterday, it's just been, kind of going back and forth, talking to a lot of people, trying to figure out evaluation, but also sort of a vision that makes sense. Um, and had a lot of conversations with really smart people. I mean, I've, I've been flattered with the amount of people, uh, and especially, you know, like interesting people, not, not just randos, but like, uh, well-known people who are, who are interested in the site. So it's been pretty flattering and and then there's, you know, the whole kind of thought that we're like, oh, well then like, should I sell it? And what if, I could, <laughs> what if I could turn it into something myself? And like, what would it take? What would that look like? So I went back and forth between that a few times. Um, but ultimately my sort of reasoning for wanting to sell and kind of this path I'm going down is opportunity costs. Like I, I need to look at, okay, I have swipe files, I have courses, I have other things I want to do in the future. I need to save space for those things. And I, I think that the biggest thing about Haymarketers is that it needs a lot of, uh, like constant attention. Like it needs manual outreach. It needs new pages. It needs to be on a, it needs like a new platform. It kind of needs to be like not rebuilt, but like I need to add the option for, uh, job posters to like edit their job you know, and their, their job description. I need to be able to swap out links. I need to be able to create a better way to take payment than rather than uh, type form. And, you know, it just needs to be like a better product. And I was like, wow, that, like, that stuff is a lot of work. Um, and so anyways, I've gotten a lot of great offers. Where I'm at now is uh, I'm talking with one in particular and kind of hashing out a couple of the details. 
but uh, it's looking like I could possibly sell hand marketers within the near future. And I'll, that's uh, like as much as I'll commit to because I don't <laughs> want to jinx myself, but um, yeah. that's the direction that I'm going in. Very cool. Yeah, that was uh, kind of an exciting thing to see unfold this past week. Yeah, and it's that's happened really, really quick. I think that's uh, definitely a be, being sort of a side project has lent itself to speed and just able to kind of hash things out really quickly. And, you know, I mm -hmm. had this email uh, template essentially that I just sent out to everyone with screenshots and CSVs and uh, a bunch of information about my ideas and kind of the vision I'm looking for. So um, once I had that, then I've just kind of like, yeah, send me your email and then I'll shoot it over to you and then go back and forth from there. But uh, it's, it's developed really, really, really quickly. Nice. Was that your kind of main focus this past week then? Yes, unfortunately it was, um, which is, it's a good thing. Again, I think I, I mentioned yeah. it last week, but I'm like, I can't tell if like these random things that come up are good things or bad things. Um, I just need to learn how to roll with the punches a little bit and like be okay with these sort of change of plans. Um, cause it, it's definitely a good thing and, uh, I I'm excited for it, what's happening and hopefully sort of who will go to and what will happen with it. Um, but yeah, so I haven't really made very much progress. The, the other side of the story is that between that I've been heads down helping my wife set up her retail spot for her new business. Um, so she, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, she, uh, has an online store. She's hand creates, it's called Joycraft handmade polymer clay earrings and jewelry. And, uh, so we set up a e-commerce store and we launched last month. It's gone really well. And she got interest from this new retail spot, which is like a, it's called local niche here in San Diego. And it's a basically like a indoor farmer's market. Um, but she's had like three weeks to set up her like spot in the store then she got like a wholesale order and on top of all that, we're leaving this Friday for like a birthday trip, her birthday trip to Denver. We were originally going to go to New York, but then they decided to, uh, lock down which is very okay. That's the zombie apocalypse over there. So I understand. Um, so wrapping up all that, that's what we're doing. Going to be focusing on today. So it was mainly helping my wife and hair marketers were the, were the focus last week. But, um, in other news, uh, I have seven, seven sort of coaching, mentoring clients now, which has been awesome. It's been a blast. And uh, I'm probably going to have to cap it at like eight or 10 if there's more interest. It's just been kind of like a flood out of nowhere. But that's been great. And that really extends my runway and is like a great kind of productized service for me to just collect some cash and then be able to add like a lot of value upfront. It's, you know, it's mainly like, technical founders or solo founders or, um, or like marketers who are in like a big team who kind of need like an objective outside opinion on a lot of stuff. Um, and last week, I think I talked about too, I, I was going back and forth about like, well, do I accept some consulting? How much consulting do I do? What type of consulting? I ended up turning down all of the sort of formal consulting gigs just because there were huge projects and like big commitments. Um, and serendipitously I've, I've gotten a lot of these coaching leads and coaching clients sign on. Uh, so that's been a good kind of buffer and, and replacement for a lot of those consulting gigs I, I would have done. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's very cool. So are, are you 
more just on the strategy side then or or I guess like what does a typical coaching with Corey Haynes look like? <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's like the the deal is uh you can buy two 30-minute calls with me a month or or we can do like one hour long monthly review call or double that. So four weekly calls or four monthly calls and then two hour long calls. And then there's like email access, you know, uh, I can plug into their Slack group and kind of go back and forth from there. But it's very much like, okay, let me sit down with you, create a plan, create a strategy, hold you accountable to it, answer questions along the way, and then get you onto high leverage activities that are going to get you to your revenue goal. Um, or just, you know, achieve whatever they want. But a lot of them are very like early stage and looking for basically like a marketing brain kind of just to be on their side because they don't know where to start or, or what to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think you probably will have to cap it fairly soon or else that's all you're going to be doing. I know. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I hope not. Yeah. The, the price because is because I know really you're behind demand. <laughs> uh, I know. And, that, and again, that's great. And I find it to be really fun. Like, I honestly really, really enjoy it just because I'm like, sweet. I really don't want to do like that much like work, work on the execution side. But it's really easy for me to come in and be able to get an objective view and then just say, you know, here are my suggestions. Here's what you should do. Answer questions, brainstorm, go back and forth. And it's like a really good use of time for, for both parties. Um, like we just hammer it out. And uh but I did have a couple comments like, yeah, I would probably pay like five times this amount if you really wanted to. It's like, oh, wow, maybe I should think about increasing my prices. Um, so TBD, I, I told him, thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm going to keep it just here and we'll see how it goes. And uh, I'd rather like get people in the door, create like a kind of standard process, get used to it, and then maybe hike up prices a little bit incrementally over time. But um yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you've already hit your cap, then, you know, eventually you can probably still hit that cap if you double the prices. So, uh, you know, and I've seen just working with you in the in the last year or so and having you in my corner, uh, <laughs> basically pro bono has been, uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the benefits of that as well. So. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. We'll see. I'm I'm excited about it though. And again, and now with seven, it's kind of getting to that point where it's like, yeah, this you know this pays rent and a few bills, and so like that's nice just to have. So I don't want to just like hike up prices and then have like a bunch of people leave and try to replace them and kind of churn and burn them. Um, but it's been nice to see like that sort of interest. And uh, ironically, I haven't had anyone. Um, reach out about sort of the audit roadmap package that I have. And then I've talked about on my services page. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, uh, and I was talking with another marketer who did something similar and he was like, yeah, I kind of have the opposite. Like my, my coaching monthly retainer is like, like triple what you, what yours is. But like my audit is like a third of what yours is. And I was like, I think you're probably better, better in line with what's actually like a good pricing structure out there. So again, TBD, but we'll I'll have to revisit that at some point. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. So I, but, I, go ahead. I was going to say, trying to optimize for what I want. Again, it's kind of the, the theme. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like you don't want to be doing a bunch of work that you don't want to do. Yeah. 
Anyways, you were going to say. No, I, so I'm curious. You mentioned that you and your wife are heading on vacation next week uh, or end of this week for her birthday. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I guess I'll, I'll follow on after you answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I'm really excited. You know, we, we've basically like had this trip paid for and planned since January. And, uh, so we've kind of just like swapped everything over. It's not going to like cost us anything extra. Um, it, I think it is going to be really hard for me to turn off like the, the business brain though. Um, and I'm really struggling with, with that. Even like today, it's like waking up, I was just thinking like, what am I going to do? Do I, it's like, Oh, I could use, I don't know, like the plane ride and or random time here and there to like write a bunch of stuff or like do a few things or like, there's always just like, yeah, this idea of what you want to get done. But then I, I don't know what I've usually found on vacations is if there's like one thing that I want to do, that's not like really work related. It's, you know, more like a creative work, maybe like writing or just thinking or journaling. Um, if I just have one thing, I'll get that thing done. But if there's like two or three things that I want to get done on vacation, like nothing gets done. And then I just feel guilty the whole time and feel bad and, uh, and like kind of like ruin my own vacation for myself. So that that's what I'm trying to do is like, okay, pick one thing. Cause I know I'm going to have to do something to like not feel super guilty the whole time and be able to enjoy it. But I don't want to do too much either. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. No, I'm very familiar with that. I've, I've struggled <laughs> with <laughs> vacationing in the last, uh, you know, year since, since working on jet boost. Uh, it's, it's really hard to turn it off. It's really hard to not feel, it's like you feel guilty or, uh, just crappy that, you know, you're, you're losing in some senses, you're like, you're losing this time to do things that you need to get done. Uh, but then I know I feel really guilty. Like if I'm on vacation with my wife, like that, that's what I'm thinking about versus actually like enjoying the time together, enjoying the vacation, having fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> right. Right. It, it really, for me, wasn't until, uh, we did a trip in, uh, beginning of August. It was the first trip I had done where I didn't open my laptop once, uh, didn't respond to any support messages on my phone. Uh, just like actually, took the entire weekend to enjoy the vacation. Um, so that was, I think a pretty big step forward for me, but mm. yeah, it's still hard. And, and the feeling too, of when you have a trip upcoming, uh, or you're going to be taking some time off again, like you woke up today feeling like kind of that scramble mode of, I got, I got to get all these things done before we leave. But then also like you have to prepare for the trip and, you know, pack and do all that stuff. And, um, yeah, that, that can be tough. I've experienced that a lot. Yeah, it, it's hard. You know, we talked about two before, like, I have a hard time with, um, I mean, one in general, I think one of my like weaknesses is that I, uh, I, I don't like feeling behind or like something is left in incomplete. Like I want to just bulldoze my way through something until I get to that point and then I can like rest. So it's hard for me to like now just jumping into being a creator full time and working on all these things to they can like go on vacation mode a month later and like feel okay with it because I want to be in a better spot before I do that. And like, 
I don't want to really relax and I don't like, of course I'll enjoy it and I want to go on this trip and I want to have fun, but like, I don't really want to be in like vacation mode, if that makes sense. And, um, and also, you know, eventually I think I'd like to get to a point where like the time off that I do take will be more like, like long weekends or like two or three weeks off rather than like a week here and a week there just because like mentally there was some study. I, I need to like dig it up and stuff, but it was really interesting. I think it was in a book actually, but basically they said your, your mind doesn't enter like quote unquote vacation mode until like day seven. And like, that's when most people's vacations end. So like, yeah, you should take like, I don't know, two or three weeks, right? At least to really kind of reap the benefits of resting, relaxing, vacationing. And uh, so I struggle with that too. You know, it's like, ah, oh, well then I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to like finally like feel like relax. And then I'm just going to Monday morning, you know, be thrown right back into it and have to get back to work. So like, do I even like get into that mode? Do I like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Taking a, a two to three week vacation sounds like a bit of a pipe dream at this point. I know Sadly. in the future, uh, eventually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but for now, I'm just going to have to figure it out and you're going to have to, I, at least like, I mean, I thought about it, you know, when we've talked before, like I can't even imagine sort of the stress and like having that in the back of your brain of like, is something broken? Is there a support ticket outstanding? Like, is there a customer wanting to cancel? Like sort of the urgency of a more like of a software product. Um, at least I don't have that sort of looming over me, but still like more like the backlog of to do's that are sort of eating away at me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. At, at least now, you know, Jeppu's at a point where it's, it's fairly stable. Uh, you know, earlier this year I was, it, it was tough. I, there, there were times where like I woke up every single morning and the first thing I would do is like, is the server still up is, you know, do I have support messages from overnight? Like it was, that was a really rough period to go through. Um, but yeah, you know, fortunately now, uh, don't have to really deal with that as much anymore, but, uh, I do still think, you know, when I'm away, of course, like always bring my computer wherever I go. Um, that's just kind of a requirement at this point. Uh, right. I know, um, uh, Derek from, Art of product, yeah, he's yeah, he's talked I was about just that. Thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> so talked about that before. Yeah, trying to get to the point where you don't have to do that is, I believe, one of his goals and is a good goal for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think I'm going to take the time, probably not to do like try to stave off work, but maybe do more like thinking and reflection because one of the things that is kind of stressing me out a little bit and that it's really top of mind for me is what is swipe files? Um, mm. like it's, it's sort of like right now, I don't even know what to call it really. Like I call it, I call it a member site that has like a library of teardowns. Right. But like, that isn't really like a very defined category. Also for a lot of the, the plans I have for the future, it gets even blurrier. Like I want to add new types of content. I want to add a private community. I want to add, um, you know, like, other parts of perks and benefits and, and deals. So like really what is it? I mean, membership site is definitely like the 
sort of the category that it lives in. But like with like for a marketer, for an entrepreneur, like what is it that they are buying it for? And like, what is uh, sort of the, the job to be done there? And mm. um, it's had me thinking too, like, uh, I don't know if you've been following sort of the, the Substack kind of stuff going on right now, but there's like all these big journalists and reporters uh, like Casey Newton. And there's been a few others that have left and basically like gone out on their own. And so they joined Substack. Uh, and even like, I, I mean, I'm subscribed to a bazillion newsletters, a Substack newsletters that people run. And, um, it just like has some like credibility with it. Like people are more willing to pay for a paid newsletter that is on Substack rather than a paid newsletter that is not on Substack. Maybe hmm. it's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, is there something to it being on Substack that just lends itself to a higher conversion rate and more excitement and more perceived value? Same thing with Gumroad, actually. Uh, randomly on Twitter, someone was talking about like, oh, um, like my my dinky little you know Gumroad. Like I I haven't moved it off of Gumroad, but like I, I should. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I think Gumroad actually gives it more credibility and becomes like a thing. Um, it's uh, because it's so well known, right? It, there's like less kind of barrier to entry about who is this person, what are they selling, how's it going to work, what's it going to look like, sort of in my hands digitally um so like you know I, I was thinking like what if i just moved everything over to to substack tomorrow like would that like increase my odds of success and subscribers and like and being successful and all my teardowns were just delivered through substack or like what if i just put all my courses on gumroad like would i have more success? i don't know anyways I, i'm not seriously considering those things but it makes me think what is swipe files and how do I communicate that in a way that isn't like this big kind of enigma of like, what do you get with a membership? How, how does charging for swipe files through Substack versus through, you know, using member stack, how does that change what swipe files is? It, it definitely, I mean, the biggest change is just like, the delivery of it and the format. I mean, swipe files is completely custom through Webflow, and the format is very unique with sort of like these side by side, uh, you know, image and text, image and text, image and text, rather than sort of a, a blog post or, I mean, a newsletter, right? Um, but as far as like what it is, it isn't actually very different. Like, it's at the end of the day, it's just like a library of content, right? It's just, um, they're just a bunch of posts, they're just a bunch of pieces of content right um so yeah it's not it's not entirely different right like what it had me thinking like well what if i called swipe files a paid newsletter right and then people knew mm. exactly what they're getting through substack because again they, they've subscribed to other Substacks and uh they, they've they've seen what that's like before um or maybe what if i just format it more like substack within webflow and member stack so that it's a little bit clearer sort of how it works and, and what happens. And that's been one of the big things on the website is if someone's like, it doesn't really like make sense sort of what I should expect with a membership. And I'm like long overdue for a landing page overhaul, which is ironic given what I do with swipe files, but I'm not exactly sure <laughs> how to put my finger on it yet. Yeah. 
I mean, your your original vision for Swipe Files was, like you said, this library of content uh, that someone would sign up for, and now they have access to this entire archive of these teardowns that you've done. Does would Substack provide that, or is it much more like paid newsletter? Here's the newest edition of the week, basically. Yeah, not really. They they have. Um... And that, that's kind of the interesting part about it is that if you subscribe to a Substack, like you're kind of just then expecting like the new piece of content within your inbox and like you read it and then like, cool, that's what I paid my 10 bucks a month for. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't really go back into the archives very often. You don't go search through or filter for different topics or, you know, you might go back through the archive to read like a few more or just to kind of like browse if you're bored. I doubt that really happens very often. And, from what I've heard from other people who have Substack newsletters, like everything is very kind of in the moment, which is a, a good thing and a bad thing, right? Um, but I wouldn't really be able to recreate the swipe files experience within Substack for sure. I mean, and again, it's not something I'm seriously considering. It's more kind of just like a a thought experiment. Yeah, it is really interesting though. I, because like you're saying, you know, it's more common that people either know what to expect or, you know, when they're purchasing a paid newsletter, like exactly as you described, I'm going to get this edition, I'm going to read it. And then, you know, magazines have been doing that for however many years. Um, yeah. Sort of you, you, it's the benefit of being on a platform. I mean, same thing with Patreon. Um, you subscribe, you know, sort of the, the member benefits, like you see all the other, patreon pages and and creators and then like you know sort of the the general format of how that goes but with when it's all custom it's a little bit more ambiguous like you have to do a little bit more educating a little bit more selling a little bit more uh teaching how it works and 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 what people get yeah i mean one thing i've always wondered about swipe files is it does seem like a large part of the value is the the newsletter that you send out that you're currently giving for free. You know, it's I can I can subscribe to get the latest swipe file in my inbox for free, correct? Yeah. And so maybe Yeah, it's weird because you think like, well, I have this whole huge archive, like clearly this must be more valuable than if you're only getting the latest one, but, um, I don't know, maybe that's not true. That's a really good point. I I've thought about that before, but I kind of forgot about it. But, um, I do wonder if this is sort of like a, a model issue. Like you said, if, what if I did every other week, you know, like, uh, for a lot of paid Substacks, they'll do like an every other week model where like this week is free, next week is paid, this week is free, next week is paid. And then all those posts are still like stay free after that. And so you're just buying into the the paid half of the newsletter essentially, which is like kind of bonkers to me. It's like, oh, like you're, you're really getting like half of it for free. It's like you're only paying for half of what they're producing. But then again, you're paying for all of it. But for swipe files, yeah, I mean, every new teardown, is free. That's not true actually. Lately, what I've been trying to do to kind of combat this a little bit is I'll release one 
free news or teardown along with two paid teardowns to try to you know get more like you know hey there's more here if you want it um but i'm not sure it's the same you know i do wonder if like every other model would be would match sort of the behavior that people are already used to and how they're used to buying newsletter type content yeah that's i don't know i think that's probably worth exploring you know maybe not necessarily moving to substack but um playing with the model a little bit yeah yeah or just i don't know even just getting rid of kind of the free tear down altogether i don't know that that's another thing i'm kind of put it on the do list for uh reflection this next week as i'm on vacation or yeah next week um today i have things to do but next week i'll be thinking about that yeah cool yeah the the last point i just want to mention is uh I'm trying to do like the napkin math to default alive for myself and um, trying to break it down to is like, okay, I need to really start thinking about how do I get ramp up to making swipe files, pay the bills and like, what are the numbers and how can I kind of reverse engineer this success? And it's rather simple, especially given that swipe files is now annual only. Um, so the way I've worked it out is, Basically, if I get 50 new members per month, I'll be default alive, like pretty comfortably. Like we don't have like a, a high burn, like our, our expenses are relatively low, um, especially now that my wife's business is kind of getting up and running and, and is humming along now. Uh, it's like 50 doesn't seem like a terribly lot, but it's enough to re really make me think about like, what are the big things they're going to that are going to get me 50 new members per month because right now I have, you know, I have like close to 300, like all time, but many of those are free who got it through the courses or they're, you know, now expired or they're, you know, the friends who got lifetime deals or, uh, just people in the past who have bought either monthly or, or annually. So 50 would be like a big step up, you know, right now I'm probably getting five to 10, new new members per month but that's my my napkin math to default alive yeah i think that's important to to do so you have that target and now you can put together a plan that okay what are the steps to take that could get you there yeah tbd but um i think actually <laughs> the next time so i'll be out next week um well, Chris will figure out something for, for the audience, but, uh, the next time I come on, I think I'll have more to share on sort of my plan to, to reach that. And, uh, so if I don't, if I don't mention it, remind me. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do. And yeah, next week we'll, we'll miss you. We'll, we'll have a special guest on and, um, I will hopefully have the JetBoost auto archive product live, uh, finally <laughs> for everyone. Awesome. To can't yeah. wait it's gonna be fun i'm excited yeah. for it cool cool man well shall we wrap it yeah sounds good all right well we'll have all the show notes um and we'll mention we'll have those uh links and mentions down below and otherwise we'll see you next week all right take care Corey. <laughs>